Good morning, everyone. Well, friends, our, our scriptures uh, speak about uh, many things, about uh, faithfulness and about commitment, uh, about um, determination, uh, about hardships. Uh, it speaks also about love. And for all of you, especially those who are married and those who have children, you cannot speak about love without having the word sacrifice in it. It just doesn't exist. You, there would not be a love that it would be real. Love requires sacrifices. I've never encountered any family or any person who would speak about love but that would not speak about the sacrifices made. And they didn't complain about it, nor did they attempt to keep count of it. I had a family tell me if I were to keep count of all the sacrifices I had to make in the name of love, I would have no peace. <laughs> friends, um, so all of our scriptures today um, speak about that. And um, when I think about God and God is love, and as much as God suffers, and he does, you see what I'm getting at? No one escapes that. Uh, you cannot live without it, live without love. And my friends, uh, uh, what we see in our, our first reading, uh, Jeremiah, uh, it's a story about God's faithfulness, but it's also a story about Jeremiah's faithfulness to the mission given by God. And Jeremiah would come to understand, he didn't at first, he would come to understand what that commitment would make, you know, what that faithfulness would cost him. In the gospel, we see the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the kind of faithfulness that is demanded of anyone who would follow after him. Last week, the deacon uh, gave a homily, a very good one, and um, there we heard about uh, Peter getting it to you. And uh, Peter gladly received uh, the praise from Jesus and also the revelation that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. But Peter would then go to reject the revelation of a suffering Messiah, because that's what Jesus is talking about in today's gospel. My friends, when we look at, uh, looking at Peter, um, he represents kind of a typical Christian, if you will, caught between faith and fear and doubt, and uh, for whom the cross and suffering becomes a stumbling block. And... Uh, Jesus had some harsh words for Peter today, unlike last week's gospel. And, uh, you know, you can say, well, what exactly did Peter do to deserve to be called a Satan, uh, to be reprimanded so much by Jesus? And, uh, well, recall uh, just a few miles back on that journey, Peter, uh, with God's grace, recognized him as Messiah. And, yes, I, we, we know that... Um, the Jews of Jesus' time, they understood the Messiah as um, a king and a warrior uh, who would restore Israel to its former military greatness. Um, but um, and no doubt this is what's happening with Peter. He's thinking about it. He's like, wait a minute, uh, you're going to die. Wait a minute, we haven't restored Israel yet. And um, this is the mind of Peter, but it is not the mind of Jesus. He told the apostles that the Messiah would suffer and be put to death. That this would be the will of God for him. 
Not that God wanted the suffering of his son, but that is how it was going to unfold because of the consequences of the choices people were going to make. But in spite of that, God would through it all show the depth of his love for each one of us in and through the faithfulness and the very love and sacrifice of his only begotten son. Faithfulness and love that would cost him the ultimate price, his life. The idea of a suffering Messiah was completely unacceptable to Peter. So out of concern for Jesus, of course, <laughs> for himself, for the church that he was hoping that, um, the new religion that he was hoping that Jesus would establish, he tried to stop Jesus. After all, being a disciple of a suffering Messiah and uh, uh, would not be anything to boast about. As Peter had become a stumbling block to Jesus. In the Greek, the word used is scandalon. And that we hear scandal, but, and that's part of it, but that's not really scandalon. Uh, Peter would have understood, because um, he was a fisherman, is uh, rocks that are put in the nets that drag the net down. So it, there's a play on words here. And uh, Jesus, being very smart, last week he calls Peter, oh, you're the rock. Ooh. And now Peter, oh, you're the scandalon. You're trying to drag me down. And remember, um, what did Satan try to do to Jesus in the desert? Remember, he tried to get Jesus not to do his father's will. You don't have to do your father's will. You can do whatever you want. You see, Peter's doing the same thing. This is the reason why he says, get behind me, Satan. And Satan, also that word, how would Peter have understood? Would he have thought of horns, the way Hollywood presents it? You know, would he have thought of Lucifer? No, Satan was uh, a trickster. That word always to trick you. And um, so you see, um, he says to Peter, get behind me, you Satan, you trickster, you double-crosser. <laughs> and even though Peter had a, a very important role to play in salvation history, Jesus was prepared to lose his friendship with him, rather than to allow him to deflect him from the mission given to him by his father. Now, my friends, Jeremiah, the first reading that's paired with our, our uh, gospel, Jeremiah did not really know what he was getting into uh, when he agreed to become the prophet of God. Um, as a matter of fact, we, the Jer Jeremiah says, oh, you dupe me. Last night I joked and I said, the word I would have used was different. I would have used, you bamboozled me, God. <laughs> you didn't tell me everything that was going to happen. You didn't tell me that they were going to throw me in the sewer and that you were going to let them. You see, Father Mark, I know you guys have gotten used to me, that little movie that plays in my head. I see them throwing the prophet into the sewer. And they did, and that's, we call it a sewer. Uh, but... I go even further. God let him. 
he let them throw him in the sewer. Why? Because God could get him out of the sewer. <laughs> and Jeremiah's had it. He's, I'm not, we're told, I'm not even going to say your name anymore. This is how much trouble you've gotten me into. God gives a message to take to the city, and they want to destroy him. And um, Jeremiah, you can almost hear, I mean, you know, I didn't sign up for this. And it gets so bad, and I'm going to be very careful, it gets so bad that Jeremiah begins to speak about, it would have been better that I wasn't alive. You see how difficult, it became so difficult that we would understand it in 2020, these were signs of suicide in him because it became so difficult. But God spoke to him. And that's what he said. He, goes, he, he became so persistent with me that I did as he asked. And uh, to avoid this with Jesus, Jesus told them in advance, by the way, the world is not going to like you. By the way, they're going to destroy me. By the way, they're going to come after you. Jeremiah didn't know that. I don't know, I don't know maybe Jeremiah would have changed his mind if he knew. But it, to avoid that, Jesus tells his apostles and disciples in advance, this is going to be difficult for you. When Jesus set out on the road to Jerusalem, he did know the full consequences of the decisions that he had made. Particularly this one. And that's what makes this sacrifice all that much more greater and more powerful. Jesus already knew. Here is the price of love, and I'm going to do it. Now, my friends, having said that, the, when the hour came for him to drink of the cup of suffering in Gethsemane, even Jesus did not find it easy. On the contrary, Jesus underwent terrible agony he even asked his father, Father, could it be another way? No. This is the only way now. And Jesus remained faithful. And he stands up and he walks to Jerusalem where they will kill him. Jeremiah suffered not the way Jesus did, but he suffered also as a prophet. And like, as they said, the demands upon the prophet became so much uh, that he wanted to pack it all up. He wanted to escape. And for a while, we thought it would have been better that I hadn't even been born, Lord. To which God says, no, that is not true. That is not true. My friends, I bring this up because his cry will find an echo in the heart of anyone who serves God in a difficult situation. It is never easy to bear witness in the face of indifference, in the face of hatred, in the face of persecution, in the face of hostility. Only a profound love and conviction and faith can hold one to the task that our Lord asks of us. I take comfort knowing that uh, Jeremiah and Peter contemplated an out option. <laughs> I think, no, not today. 
We can feel that sometimes. Maybe not today. Maybe not today. But then I look at Jesus. He didn't say that. He just said, okay, let us journey. My friends, each Christian, and Jesus has already warned you about it. So you won't be able to say what Jeremiah said, Jesus, you duped me. No. There are things which we do not like doing, but which we know we must do if we are going to be committed and faithful Christians. Sacrifice is not an easy road, and Jesus asks for complete commitment from his followers. For the committed Christian, sacrifice and suffering is not a likelihood. It is a certainty. Being a disciple is very serious business. It was back then. It still is today. Yet this does not mean that suffering is something that we Christians seek. Jesus did not seek out suffering. As a matter of fact, he came to heal it. His conversation with his father in Gethsemane tells me Jesus did not seek out suffering, but he accepted it. Sacrifice and holy suffering will inevitably be a part of our Christian discipleship, even as it was part of Jesus' life here on earth. But love makes that sacrifice easier. It validates it. It makes it holy. Love enables us to turn the cross from a stumbling block into a stepping stone. What Jesus did was an expression of his love for his Father. Absolutely. What Jesus did was an expression of deep love for his friends. Absolutely. And what Jesus did was an absolute sign of love for you in 2020. Jesus, with his grace, supports all those who will follow him down that narrow road of discipleship, which includes sacrifice. But he also shares with us his glory. He shares with us eternal life. And in this world, that's a lot. My friends, I bring all of this up um, because each one of us who are baptized Christians are called to speak, even in the face of indifference, even in the face of persecution, even in the midst of a pandemic. Jesus had lots of bad days, as we would call it, but it didn't stop him. He moved through it. And this is what he expects of you and I, that we will move through it also. My friends, Jesus, as well as all the prophets of God sent before him, were not willing to compromise on God's truths. And we can't either. Mother Church must follow Christ's example of fidelity and commitment to God by continuing to teach 
his truths. Even though those truths are not always popular. The church is to be an extension of Christ's own love. And while she struggles perhaps at times with that, she ultimately triumphs. And so the church out of love and with love must teach God's truth no matter what. You cannot hide or change those truths. You cannot change uh, because it's not popular, it's not fashionable with the current times. The Pope, our bishops, our cardinals, our priests, our deacons, our members must continue to teach the truths of Jesus Christ, must continue to teach right moralities, must continue to teach ethics that are right and true and just, not movable, not changeable. Well, it's 2020. And what does that matter? This world and our society does not like God's brand of justice, nor his love, really. And so, my friends, when the church teaches that objective immorality exists and we must avoid it, and the church has a list of that, human cloning is on that, capital punishment is on that, abortion is on that, euthanasia is on that, and other such things. The church and its members are called bigoted people, closed-minded, archaic, irrelevant, unjust. And this happens not only by those outside of the church, but happens from our own members. And despite persecutions, the church is to love. Above all things, the church loves. Loves all of God's people. And she is not to pretend that destructive moral choices are not that destructive. What parent that is good will not instruct their children on things that are destructive to them? The church also insists and teaches more truths that never make the national headlines because it doesn't work with the narrative that those news agencies want. Do you know what those are? God's great love in Jesus Christ for the world, for each person. When was the last time you saw a news article about that, about Mother Church? We teach that. We teach for the necessity of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you see that on the national news? Absolutely not. We teach that each member must pray. Do you see that making the headlines anywhere? No. The church teaches the responsibility of all of its members and really every human person to assist the poor and to tend to the sick and to avoid gossip 
and to exercise self-control. But you don't hear that. Mother Church also says, treat people and the earth with respect. But you don't hear that either on the news. It just doesn't work with the narrative. Christ is coming again. And to those who courageously follow him and embrace his truths and trust in his ways, he brings many graces with him when he comes and many blessings. In fact, you will have eternal life. His disciples must share in his sufferings, in his sacrifice, but they will share in his glory also. Friends, in every period of time, God raises up saints and prophets. No different in 2020. You are maybe the one that he's raising up. So each of us God raises in every time period saints. I believe some of them are sitting in this room now. You just have to accept it the way Jeremiah did. While absolutely will God repay you? Yes. Maybe you'll get thrown in the sewer. <laughs> Remember the saint? No. Saint Therese, was it? Remember she she was doing God's work. She was in a carriage, fell out of the carriage. Your friends, this is the reason why you don't have very many of them in this world. <laughs> God repays with great love. And he gives you the ultimate gift. Love for eternity. So it's worthwhile. And here's my caution to you. Not everyone who says they're Catholic is. But the fruit of their actions, not just their words, show you. That's my caution to each one of you who are here and I'm your pastor. Not everyone who claims to be a Catholic Christian, or a Christian, I'll just make it even broader, Christian, really is by their actions. Amen? My friends, the, as you saw with Jeremiah, we saw with all the prophets, uh, accept your position in salvation history. Even in the midst of all the storms, a pandemic storm, a political storm in the United States, social unheaval, the storm, in it all, you are expected to be an anchor of peace, of truth, of joy, of love. This is what the disciple does. You have to make a decision. Either be a disciple or don't be. But there's not going to be a middle ground. There isn't going to be one. Every day it must be a decision. Every day it must be a decision and a recommitment. Every day. This is just the way it is. 
And every day he gives you grace. Every day he loves you. Every day he gives you blessings so that you can. Jeremiah was in the midst of a storm. Jesus was in the midst of a storm. The apostles were in the midst of the storm. We can't use that as an excuse. Jesus had bad days. Father has bad days. You guys have bad days. I don't get to put my priesthood on the side or put my Christianity on the side. <laughs> it doesn't work. It won't work. But we see Peter as he wavered. We do the same thing each time we have to get not so much to the left, not so much right, right to the middle, right in the middle, right in the middle where Jesus is, and then stick there. But today, what the world needs that it was starving for back when Jesus came was love and truth. It needs it today. You are to be those prophets of that. Please be that.